return to our regularly scheduled program. Please stand by for further details. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hello and welcome to episode number nine. nine. Tyler and Lynch on standby. Um, special episode today. Mr. Yep. Sam Roberts is going to be joining us. Uh, the one and only talented musician. Uh, we're excited for that. But before we get into it, quick update. Still on standby. Yep. Still no word from Chad Kroger. Uh, we got a bit of a Chad Kroger update, but we're going to get into that in a later episode. There's been a little bit of an incident, but it's fine. First, I need to give a uh, congratulations to Josh Vincent Jr., the official winner of Josh Fight. Did anyone hear about Josh Fight? Alexi, have you heard about Josh Fight? No, I haven't. This whole story started a year ago. Uh, this guy named Josh Swain went on Facebook and he uh, he created a group and he messaged everyone he could find named Josh. Just like thousands of people named Josh. And okay. the message was, you're probably wondering why I've gathered you all here today. That was the opening message to someone who responded, because we all share the same name. And then he said, precisely, on April 24th, 2021 at 12 p.m., we meet at these coordinates. And then he gave GPS coordinates okay. and said, we fight. Whoever wins gets to keep the name. Everyone else has to change their name. You have a year to prepare. Good luck. <laughs> that was a year ago. And then on April 24th, Josh fight actually happened. All these people showed up in this park who were all named Josh. And they're all like dressed in like fake armor. And they had like pool noodles for swords and like they just they went at it. They just they battled and like, hundreds, like how many hundreds huh? of people named Josh showed up to this event. Like, listen to how loud it is. Is that them fighting? Yeah, this is a massive group of Josh's fighting With for who gets noodles. to keep the name Josh. Yeah. And then it went on and uh, little Josh became the winner. Uh, little Josh was uh, he's uh, five years old. OK. And uh, they crowned him the King Josh, and it was pretty adorable. Hey, Josh, give us some space. Can I have a few words on your thoughts on the big win? Give us some space. I'm just making sure. I'm quiet, everyone, and now I Quiet down! <laughs> that guy. He's five, everybody! <laughs> that guy, I'm glad that guy yelled to quiet down, like, so he's you can hear loud little Josh. Josh. Yeah, he's the loud Josh, for sure. But also, like, what a hero, you know? Like, it's nice in this video, but I bet you that guy's so annoying in real life. Like, he's just right. He's one of those guys that's, like, 350 with the big beard that just, like, feels invincible. He's got that vibe. But either way. You don't want to mess with that Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He quiets it down for little Josh. He's five, everybody! Did they give him a Burger King crown? Oh, nice. Like the king. <laughs> and then they lift him up. <laughs> lift him up. <laughs> and they just have him up like the Lion King. <laughs> Little Josh. So he's the only one that gets to keep the name. His dad even then, who is also named Josh. His dad's name Josh. His dad's too? name is Josh. So Josh and Josh Jr. Yeah, yeah. Josh okay. Vincent Jr. is the winner. Uh, and I love how much he just loves the name Josh. He's actually four. Four? Okay, my apologies. Um, I I just wanted a junior. That was why I named him. I just him. wanted a yeah. junior. <laughs> it seems like a funny name to pass down. Yeah, Josh. You know, like, you know, like Michael or like David. David yeah. the the third makes sense. Josh. The <laughs> Josh Jr. Josh Jr. JJ. <laughs> <laughs> So a five-year-old, four-year-old wins this thing. Yeah. How? 
How does a four-year-old skills? Win? I don't know. A lot of Fortnite playing, probably. Perhaps, yeah, maybe, yeah. yes. Learned uh, the technical skills needed to uh, fight in a park with a bunch of other nerds. <laughs> hey, not nerds, they're <laughs> Joshes. Know. They're a bunch of Joshes. <laughs> what would a bunch of Kyles, like, uh, like, imagine they had the Kyle fight? Oh, God, that'd be sponsored by Monster Energy yeah, Drink. Yeah, yeah, it would just be a monster truck rally. Yeah. 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 Lots of shin kicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Tyler fight. The Tyler fight would just be like, is this a Kyle fight? Like, we're not quite close. sure. We're pretty close. Is there a sign anywhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is the Tyler oh, fight. All right, Tyler all right. fight, Kyle. Pretty similar. <laughs> a Karen fight. It's just who can dial 911 the fastest. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Rat other people out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Complain. Um, so congratulations going out to Josh Vincent Jr. I just had to start the episode off with that. I was very excited for him. That's good. For good him. for him. Uh, a lot of hard work. Uh, and uh, the whole event was a, a little like LARPing. You know what LARPing is? Live action role play. Is that the one where they have like the fake swords and stuff too? Yeah, yeah, they dress up like that. And uh, that ties in perfectly to the episode because one of the biggest LARPing events in Canada happens in Montreal every Sunday. And I'm sure that'll come up with our guest today. Uh, we're uh, we're pleased that he's joining us. The name of the new record, which by the way is out. It's called All of Us. You can grab it right now. Uh, the one and only Sam Roberts. Hello, Samuel. How are hey you today? Guys. Nice to see you. Good I to see you too. I didn't know you were drinking. Or I know there's beer in that. Yeah. <laughs> just Lynch's. Us, just so Lynch's. He's the one with the problem. You should have told me. I, <laughs> I like how your your Zoom name is Samuel, full name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, did, I didn't realize it was Samuel. Samuel feels so much more official. Well, you know, I've kind of entered that phase in my life where I want people to start taking me a little bit more seriously. You know, right. so, <laughs> so the flat brim hat helps. Exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's just a, that's just to hide what's under the monstrosity underneath. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's been going on, Lynch? First off, thank you for doing this. We appreciate you giving us some yeah. of your time. A pleasure. Pleasure. Um, uh, Lynch was saying that when he asked you, you seemed uh, real bored. So for that reason, you seemed excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's today? Uh, I just got back from soccer practice. Not my own. My son's. Okay. Uh, God forbid I should ever grace or disgrace a soccer pitch again. But no, I came from uh, soccer practice, which was in a strange way. I don't know. It kind of feels like everything these days that resembles normalcy is a victory. So this was the first soccer practice, even though the kids were wearing masks. And uh, I'm not sure how oxygen for that going on there. Uh, the fact that they were and it felt like a, yeah, a step in the right direction. So just come from that. And basically to answer your question, it's a whole lot of that just kind of flipping forth back and forth between whatever my work life is and my, and my home life. But the two things have kind of just become one thing, whereas they used to be very, very sort of distinct in a way, you know, you're out on tour, you're out on the road, then you come home, you put on your dad's shoes and you get on with that. And uh, now it's just, it's all a blur. It's all one, one beast. Are you, are you coaching at all or are you just a uh, soccer dad? No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. Now I was coaching briefly a couple of summers ago and uh, was uh, repeatedly reprimanded for my, uh, my tactics, uh, by the, uh, the, the powers that be. So I've been relieved of my duties, but I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting in the wings, man. I'm waiting for that, that coaching vacancy. Uh, and I'm going to step back in there. Cause I got big plans, big, big, big plans. Where, 
Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, how old is your son? How serious are you taking this soccer? How old is he? He's 10 years old. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so pretty serious. So you got so fired from yeah, a 10-year-old soccer league. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. serious. As we, as we all know, we, that's how you have to treat amateur sports with the utmost seriousness right from the beginning. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, well, at least we all know what it's like to get fired then. We're yeah, all in the same yeah. boat. Yeah, exactly. You guys are, much, you guys are, are probably a little bit more used to it than I am, but uh, I love how in, in radio you call that, you know, kind of moving around, but we all know it's kind of what, what's actually happening there. What are you, how many, how many different cities are we talking now? Yeah. Man, well, you know, this is my first time <laughs> I've ever been canned. No. Yeah, really? for real. Oh, I thought, you know. First time well, I ever got fired as well, but I'm significantly younger than both of you, so that's not Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, on to be, on to the next chapter, as we say in the in the music biz and show business. You know, Were you, have you Thank ever you. been fired from a legit job? When's the last time you oh, had yeah. a real job? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, first of all, I have uh, some reservations about that you not calling it a real job. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, way to go, yeah, man. No, I mean, no, no. it's hard work touring and writing and doing <laughs> all that stuff, interviews, everything. Yeah, I was talking about gardening. Oh, okay. anyway, <laughs> there's that. Too. There's that too. Yeah. Um, no, I got fired a lot when I was uh, when I was in the sort of more traditional uh, working world, for sure. Uh, mainly because of the band, uh, because you could never, I guess, stick to a regular schedule if you had to be going and playing, you know, important things like playing for three people in Kingston that night, there's no way that my shift at the restaurant was still going to, you know, uh, happen. So yeah, we, we kind of, I bounced around between jobs a lot before the, the band, uh, actually started, um, you know, moving in the right direction for sure. And these days, I guess I, you know, uh, I wish I could fire myself sometimes. From the, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're basically the CEO, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that's a very grandiose term for what I do. Thank you, though. I love it. <laughs> anything that legit. I think I've used that with my kids too. You know, just what because they're quite confused about the structural nature of my job, as am I and anybody else associated with us. So sometimes you have to kind of throw in this, uh, you know, terminology like CEO and CFO and all that, and. Uh, uh, you know, I guess that's the truth in a way. But um, anyway, I think that, I think they uh, they're starting to come around that their dad actually works and tries to you know hard to put a roof in, over their heads. Do you pull that move too, saying you know you do this, do your chores and stuff? Because uh, I provide the roof over your head and stuff. I do, my, I do, I do do that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad used to throw that down all the time. That's like a daily <laughs> staple. <laughs> Somebody sent out a, a, a thing around the band the other day. It was a sort of 10 most used dad expressions, you know, things like, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm going to turn this car yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Uh, dri you know, driving in, driving and seeing traffic on the other side of the highway and, and saying things like, you know, I'm not, I'm glad we're not going that way. <laughs> you know, like, it's a, <laughs> It's like you have to say it for some reason, but and I scored like a nine out of ten, and not not because I'm trying, but legitimate. It's just like it, you're you become rewired 
uh, to to say these things all, all of a sudden. And my favorite one is when you're cinching something down on the top of a car and then you pat it and you're like, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or when you're barbecue and you get the tongs and you have to click it. Exactly. You have to double click it. <laughs> just, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things that's just kind of taken over my, uh, my mind. <laughs> do your kids think what you do is cool or do they think you're not cool? I think they did at the beginning, but they're okay. thinking it's less and less cool as our music becomes less and less popular. So it's just, it's a, uh, it's directly proportional to how, you know, where we fit in the grand musical hierarchy. And I, I managed to convince them that we were pretty high up there at the beginning, but now their own sort of uh, detective minds have, have uh, debunked that myth and know that, uh, when the other kids in their grade four class don't listen to our music, it means that we're not who we have claimed to be all this time. You know, you should have put out baby shark. What were you doing? Oh man. A lot of regrets. <laughs> lot of- yeah, they're probably asking him now, like, Hey, you're going to do a collab with like Justin Bieber or. <laughs> yeah, they do say that, you know, like, you know, because I think it did hold sway for a little bit, but now they realize that we're not in, we're not batting in the same league as uh, the Sean Mendez and, and Justin Bieber's of the world. And then I've got to sort of heap on this whole other argument that no, we're doing what we're doing is, is more meaningful. It's more profound and it's, and only history will judge our true <laughs> contribution you know, and you got what, once you start dabbling in, in that kind of language, you know, you've lost it with your kids for sure. <laughs> Speaking of your kids, um, pets, you have any pets running around right now? I do. I have a dog and, uh, I'm sure he'll make some kind of appearance. His name is Milo. Uh, he's a 10 month old border collie slash Labrador and, uh, his has destroyed our, our backyard looks like a battlefield. I've never seen anything, <laughs> anything quite like it, but this is our first spring with the dog and he's just completely ravaged the place. I'm hoping that you guys get at least some of the, the truth right now. It's kind of quiet, but I'm hoping that at least some of the household sounds creep into this, this session today. So you, you get a taste. Of I would love one of your kids to run downstairs or wherever you're at right now and start yelling. Oh, it's going to happen. I already hear some banging on the, on the kitchen floor upstairs. And that's usually, it's kind of like a volcano. It starts with a few little rumbles, but it'll erupt at some point. And I want to ask you about uh, Nick and Sally. I, I don't know if they're still around your pets. No, they're gone. Thanks for bringing up that. Uh, oh, way to go, Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You, want, you want to explain what, what the, who Nick, Nick and Sally, and Sally are? were two dwarf frogs. Uh, who we had uh, for a number of years. Nick ate Sally, though. What? Uh, yeah. How do you explain that to the kids? I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough time for sure. And then, but he grew to an unusually large size for a tiny frog from having <laughs> devoured his partner. And then, uh, yeah, he lived for a long time, a lot longer than we thought. And, uh, but eventually he succumbed. He succumbed to his, yeah, his uh, unusual largeness and that was it. So, uh, yeah, but thanks for bringing that up. That was a, that was a chapter that I kind of tried to put out of my mind. <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, was, yeah. was that one of those, those no. ceremonies that you had to have in the backyard? I remember having one of those when I was young. Yeah, we did the toilet flush. We went oh, that pretty, way, okay. We went pretty standard on it. Uh, yeah. so it's an amphibian. We, That's where it belongs. Exactly. We, yeah. we turned Nick to the sea. <laughs> 
I had a question for you about Montreal. Like uh, we've been in talks with different, you know, we, as radio is, as you described, we could end up having to move again and go to a different city. And mm-hmm. we've been both pretty mobile our entire adult life. Whereas uh, it seems like you made a clear choice to, to stay where you grew up. Uh, why? Uh, is it just mm-hmm. a love for the city? Was it, uh, I'm sure there's opportunities where you could have moved to the States or to another city in Canada even, but you chose to stay where you grew up. Uh, why? I mean, I do love it here. So I'll say the, the sort of more, off, you know, I guess the, the, the obvious answer is that, you know, I think if you've ever visited Montreal, there's, there's something special about the place. There's something definitely, I think specifically being a musician first and foremost, that it's, uh, it's kind of seen as a, um, I don't want to say a noble pursuit, but it's accepted. And I think in a lot of ways, musicians are always looking for those places where not just musicians, but artists in general, looking for a place where you're encouraged to, and what you're seen is what, what you do is seen of, uh, as being of value, you know, sort of making a valid contribution. And I think a lot of you know, musicians and artists wrestle with that uh, as they, you know, as they try to get their feet underneath them, uh, it's not that you need the validation, but you do need the support. You do need to be able to, again, work a job where it's okay to say, hey, you know what, can I switch shifts here because I've got a gig uh, in Cornwall. I'm just going to keep, every time I mention a gig, by the way, I'm going to mention a different town in Ontario for each. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. But, Sounds good. Yeah, we've done Kingston and Cornwall so far, but, uh, <laughs> and, Montreal, and Montreal is very much like that. It's, it's sort of ingrained in the fabric of the city uh, that artists are important. And, uh, so, you know, there's that, then there's the other things that you just don't, they're, they're more on the intangible side. Uh, I don't know how, how it feels to wake up here every day and walk the streets. And, um, it's a very vibrant place. I feel like I get a lot of energy from it too, still, even after all these years. Um, and then you, and then you bring having a family into it and, and your motivations change and, you know, the schools and all these sort of more, pragmatic uh life decisions kind of creep into it but i've definitely been curious about what it would be like to call some other place home over the years especially because we have been traveling so much and you you know you you go to uh should i should i mention a place in ontario can we branch out from there right now yeah Going out to Vancouver for the first time, you know, being in a place like that. And the thought of waking up and seeing the ocean every day and seeing mountains every day. Um, I've, I've definitely been tempted by a lot of different places, but uh, for whatever reason, Montreal just, it's, it's, it's great to visit all these places, but Montreal always just feels like home. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, but who knows, who knows where the future will, I, I've always got like, big plans for the future, <laughs> for the future. Not that there's ever like a post musician phase because it's just something that you do until you die. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely like, like to go and spend more time in different places. Cause you We're- got to do something pretty cool. Like with the Olympics out here, did you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played, uh, we played six shows at different venues around, uh, around the Olympics in 2010, anywhere from, uh, sort of downtown Vancouver to up in Whistler. We were out in Surrey and, and Burnaby as well. So we really got to get our feet wet. And I think Vancouver specifically has just been a big, uh, 
almost like a home away from home in a lot of ways. We've either made records out there and therefore spent months, uh, you know, living in apartments there or uh, mixed records or, or, you know, spend a lot of time performing there. So I think it's one of the places for sure that's uh, kind of crept into my mind, sort of, I think a lot to do with the, the natural beauty there and, and uh, just how lucky it feels to wake up in a place like that every day. For financial reasons, we're probably going to be looking for roommates. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I come, with, I come with a heap of baggage, guys. That's okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, one thing I always find interesting with anyone, an artist, uh, is uh, what's something that's a, a a passion of yours that has nothing to do with music. Like, I feel oh. like finding passions that aren't your art is also important and probably plays into the art as well. Um, what's something that you love that isn't music? Yeah, I mean that's a really. Uh, I think it's a it's a good question, and 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 I think you're right in that all these other things in your life serve the music in a way, yeah, and sometimes it's in unforeseen ways. And again, you know, I joke about gardening, but I actually really love gardening. I find I find gardening and making music go hand in hand. And I is it because you think, whistle while you work, or what? I do, I do, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, <laughs> It's it's one of those things where I don't want to paint myself as a, too much of a sort of you know suburbanite fuddy duddy right now. <laughs> it's kind of a, I'm, I'm looking out going, is my grass growing? You know, after the, the dog devastation. But uh, you know, there's that. I'm, I mean, I've I've retired from beer league hockey uh, about Ooh. a year ago. That's a big move. I step back. I don't want to say it's a permanent retirement. It could be a false retirement, but uh, that was. Uh, they kept moving our time slot up. It used to be at 6.30 and was great, but now it's like at 11.30 and you come home and you got to drink six beers just to like bring your heart rate back down and you're up <laughs> till four o'clock in the morning on a school night, you know, and it just wasn't, wasn't working anymore. So I had, to, I had to take a step back from that. But that's another one. I spent a lot of time uh, hiking around Montreal, uh, like in the mountains to the north. And so we do have mountains here. They used to be... They used to be huge, the mountains, like uh, about two or 300 million years ago. Yeah, I was going to say during the Ice Age. <laughs> yeah, pre, 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 pre Ice Age. Pre Ice Age. Yeah, <laughs> pre, pre, pre like multiple Ice Ages ago, they were huge. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time out there. And then, you know, to your point, for me, it's all about doing something that has a sort of repetitive, uh, almost sort of, yeah, cyclical motion, like walking in the woods helps me write songs because I can go through an idea. If I'm sitting here and, you know, this is a room that I, you know, record in and, and play music in. But if I spend too much time in here, the thoughts get stuck. And um, it's really hard to focus enough on one idea for long enough to kind of break it loose. Whereas if you're walking around or gardening, you can go through that idea because you're sort of also doing something else at the same time until that idea starts to sort of, again, become un, unstuck. So they, all these other things do have a very, play a really important role in, in maybe not sparking the idea for a song, but definitely bringing a song closer to a conclusion of some kind. I was reading, uh, I forget what the name of the book, and I wish I could remember it, but they were talking about the idea of like an analog versus digital desk for mm -hmm. people who work in like creative spaces. And the whole idea is that like physically moving 
Like, like for example, if we were prepping a radio show, like actually using a newspaper and like clipping out the article and just right. like that kind of like mindless movement actually helps create ideas uh, yeah. a little faster. So I totally get what you're saying, especially with gardening. I love gardening. What I do got you garden, 86 by the way? tomatoes from my tomato <laughs> plant last year. I was so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. No, I've got a thing going on with the squirrels here. So my yields are very like, you know, you'll have that one prize tomato and then squirrels don't like tomatoes, but they will take a probing bite, an oh. exploratory nibble <laughs> and then ruining the tomato forever. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I've got uh, tomatoes, chili, chili peppers, uh, which are quite, those are I'm usually pretty successful with those, but you know, the carrots are like that big. And I've been doing this for years now. Like if I had to feed my family, we wouldn't, we wouldn't live through uh, a summer, Um, but I try. It's got, I got a lot of heart when it comes to the gardening, but I'm also trying to grow gardens for, for bees, uh, you know, pollinator friendly gardens, uh, just anything, anything that keeps me outside in the summertime. And uh, of course, on a normal year we go and tour and then my garden is just kind of left to the, the ravages of whatever, you know, critters are around and neglect and then i come back and it's like you know it's com- gone completely wild but uh <laughs> is that is that why you keep looking out the window are you that I guy keep looking out the window you, i know you keep looking out the window and make I'm sure the damn squirrels aren't kicking around i got i've got multiple problems like to my right going on one of them is going to be the dog carrying shit up and then the other thing is going to be the squirrels uh <laughs> having a field day with whatever it is that I've just put in the ground out there. So yeah. And I've got birds eating the grass seed that I just put down. So it's like, it's an assault from all sides, man. (laughs) I think you need to dome it. I think you should put a dome over the whole backyard. You know, I mean, I wouldn't put it past me at this point because this is war. I need to start training the dog, man. I know he's, he's clueless. He's nine months old right now. You know, I can, I, I've got the dog is a, it's, it's going to be a, a lifelong project for sure with this one. I mean, the so, real killer in your household was Nick and unfortunately Nick, Nick, went around for Nick the assassin, <laughs> Nick, the cannibal, you know? Um, no, but there's this really nice old Italian gentleman up the street who like comes down and checks out the garden for me and gives me pointers. And his place is like, it's like the garden of Eden, you know? He's got crates of tomatoes and, and, uh, you know, his, his broccoli is just in, in abundance. And then mine's all this like shriveled up sort of nutrientless, decrepit, whatever. So anyway, there's an Uh, Italian word. I'm going to have to Google this right now. Uh, you know, when you're like walking through a city and you see a construction site and there's usually, uh, an older man standing watching the construction guys work with his hands behind their back. Did you know that there's actually a word for that person (laughs) in Italian? I did not, but I really want to hear it. So is it a guy who actually works on the site or is it just a, a a guy in the neighborhood? Uh, It's just an old guy. You never, you never see that. Like they're like digging out a water main or whatever. And then there's just an old guy who just like stands and watches. And then if anyone in the crew gives them like any, any time of day, he then gives his recommendations on how they should be doing it. You know what I mean? should be digging right over here, yeah, actually. Yeah, there's a- <laughs> Umarel. 
Oh, really? uh, from Wikipedia is a folk term uh, referring specifically to the men of retirement age who pass the time watching construction sites, especially road work, stereotypically with their hands clasped behind their back, offering unwanted advice. For so real? you have a, a gardening numeral. I have a, I have a gardening numeral. I won't say that to him because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a bit of, you know, would an umaral take that as offensive or is it a, is it a birthright? <laughs> I think it's a birthright. I don't it's think it's a, offensive. Right. It's, I think, it's uh, like, yes, I've, I've been here long enough. I've put in my time and now I'm an, a proud card waving umaral, you know, right. and yeah. And, uh, and you know, they're judging, you know, oh, like, every time he takes a look at your garden. For he's sure. just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, this is such an exaggerated swing between his garden and my garden that this, I could never put up any kind of defense for like what, what I'm, what I'm doing or what my techniques are. It's just <laughs> like, I can only, I can only bow down to his superiority, you know? So I bet you, if you reached out to him next time, he kind of comes over and says, Hey, you want to give me a hand? He'd be more than happy to help you out. He's probably just doing that just for you to ask him. You're right. But because of COVID restrictions, I'm not, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to keep the distance for now. But I think next, next summer, uh, I might bring him into the fold because, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. I'm glad that this is, I'm glad that there's no footage right now. Again, see, I look there. I'm so <laughs> conscious about it. I keep like looking over my right shoulder. It's always on my mind. <laughs> the uh, the the restrictions there. You guys still under the eight p.m. curfew thing? My brother yeah. lives in Montreal as well, and obviously yeah. we don't talk that much, or else I would know specifically if the curfew is over or not. But uh, is it done now? or Are you still on the eight p.m. thing? No, I'm still on the eight p.m. thing, but I I don't, I don't notice it at all. Like right. it, I've I've gotten to that point where we don't we haven't been out in a couple of years. I don't think you know past eight o'clock. So, See, that's uh, the thing with our age, Sam, is like, I'm okay with it. Things <laughs> shut down at 10 o'clock. Perfect. I can go home and sleep. And it's the best excuse ever not to, you know, ah, oh, can't, you know, can't come out tonight, guys. Got to, you know, so you just sit home and uh, get to bed nice and early so you can get up and hit the garden early in the morning, you know, and, <laughs> but no, it's, it's been pretty, it's, it's been, I guess, uh, you know, everybody's going through their own thing. Uh, regardless of what part of the country you live in or what part of the world you live in. But uh, certainly in Montreal, we've been uh, a hotspot, if not the hotspot for a good part of the, the last year. And I don't know, it's amazing to see, you know, for all the, you know, to your earlier question, some of the things that make Montreal, make Montreal, uh, make Montreal, Montreal, uh, you know, we, we haven't had uh, any, any of that, whether it be the you know, sort of the life on the sidewalks or the restaurants or the, uh, the never ending nightlife. And uh, those are the things that have been eerily absent uh, for, for quite some time now. So, but to, to that point, it's, it's amazing to see how people can adapt. Even Montrealers who are, it's sort of, again, culturally ingrained to live a certain way have become, for the most part, uh, these law-abiding, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, respectful of all these, th the purpose behind all of this. And in its own way, it's, it's worked. You know, it's kept the situation. It's never been great, but it's kept it sort of from exploding into, I think if you let all those instincts that exist in people here run wild, this could have been a you know, a really bad situation, but I think people have kind of rallied to the cause and that's been good. I find the, the city of Montreal just so friendly. Mm -hmm. 
I just, and the bars being open till three, what is it? Three 30, three. Do they close? I don't think, I'm not sure if they, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what time it was, but I, (laughs) last time I was there was, uh, Oshaga. Mm -hmm. Oshaga? Oshaga. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just like I was there, my brother's younger than I am and, uh, we get along great, but he, he went to bed early and I was like, I'm going out. And I just went out by myself and I met so many friends around at every yeah. bar I went. I thought everyone was so nice. And the, you're totally right about like the nightlife just being so vibrant and mm-hmm. the bars being open helps. But it's, I think a lot of it's just the people. Like it seems like a very social place. It is. I mean, the whole, again, the whole, um, you know, the idea of joie de vivre here is, is uh, on another level altogether. And, and, to, to, to see that not, you know, happening, I think has been, it's sort of, you know, it's sad to see that in Montreal specifically. Of course, you know, you can roll that into any city though. And, and I think everybody's living in a, in a, a state of uh, deprivation. Um, I was going to say depravity. That was, that would be the wrong word. Uh, but that's just Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a big part of the soul of Montreal that's been switched off for the time being. It's a uh, it's I I think it's a cold weather climate thing too. And like mm-hmm. I'm not the first person to have this idea, but places where it gets real cold and snowy in the winter, uh, whether it be like our time in Calgary or growing up in Ontario, a little less cold. But uh, there's something about like hunkering down in the winter in a pub mm-hmm. that is just more of a thing in a city where you get so much snow like like there's not much else to do you can't really be outside so let's all just go sit at this pub and hang out and i think it really changes the like way people socialize like it's less like that here and sometimes people are like oh vancouver could be a little rude or snotty or whatever and i'm like i think it's just like they don't they have their group of friends from growing up it's one of the most beautiful places in the world so they never moved away and when you have 10 friends like you don't need more than 10 friends you know like um whereas in those cold climate places you end up socializing just cause you need to be inside with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. You know, and, and people are always stunned to learn that people, you know, that Montrealers on January the 16th are out, you know, it's minus 25 degrees and, you know, getting all dolled up to go and, you know, out up for a night on the town, but it's kind of part of, I, I don't know. It's like the challenge of winter has been accepted and, and, and refuse to let it slow us down in any way. And then, of course, you have the, the spring explosion here is quite unlike anywhere else uh, that I've ever seen. I've never been to, I'm trying to think maybe, you know, uh, places in Siberia have that same kind of spring awakening, you know, that we have here. But it's pretty unbelievable, the energy in the city from from sort of the late March until June uh, as as it literally comes to life again. Uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable. So if you ever have a chance, come to, yeah, exactly. I was going to say Winnipeg for sure. You know, Saskatoon, Saskatoon spring fever. It's get the hell outside. Let's do something. That's it. Patios are open. It's minus 10. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Some dudes out there in his shorts for sure. You know, it's like one degree and, you know, laid out with yeah. flip flops and shorts on, and he's got a mini magic glove in one hand just to hold the beer. <laughs> it's almost like just to prove a point at that. You know, one of the most fascinating parts about the city to me was the that uh, I can't remember the name of the park, but it's a big drum circle every 
Sunday. Yeah, that's out, that's at, on Mount Royal. The, uh, but yeah, right by, underneath the statue. Went to check that out, and it was very cool. But also, they were LARPing in the woods around what? there. Do you know what LARPing oh, yeah. is? Yeah, like live action role play. Like, there's, yeah. I just went to this thing, and there's just all these guys dressed up like knights and like just dragons, and they all got like foam swords, and they're all fighting each other. It was it's pretty amazing. It's, Do you LARP on the side, Sam? It's phenomenal. I, I, I was tempted <laughs> to get into it because it looks so much, it looks like so much fun. And I've always had this Lord of the Rings uh, obsession. So I thought, you know, this was a way to sort of, you know, maybe live some of that out. And, but yeah, when you see that, you know, the preparation for the battle on a Sunday, uh, it's really, because the Tam Tams are one thing, you know, classic drum circle vibes and a lot of hippies and a lot of like people smoking weed and, you know, getting deep into the, deep into the rhythm, the cosmic rhythms. <laughs> and then you've got the, you know, the rain dancers and the whole thing. And it's, you know, it's quite something. Uh, but if that's not your thing, because it's not for everyone, it's nice to have the alternative of a, of a full medieval battlefield. Uh, only, a couple of hundred meters away to really change gears. And you see, you see people walking down the streets and they've got like these foam and duct tape uh, swords and they've, you know, leather tunic and, and sort of homemade chain mail. Um, and you might have a wizard, you might have, and then, so there's this, they basically pit the two teams together. I've never seen how they decide who's on what team or like, it's kind of like, is it like a soccer game where you like, we can't have all this, the just crazy strong. maybe it's like on one team maybe it's like is a hockey game where they put out all the swords in the middle and somebody just grabs them and starts exactly because <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there's there's seven-year-old kids there fighting against like 55 year old you know men and, and it's uh it's a pretty intense and you have archers um and uh then uh, inevitably there's a, a guy who looks like he's got a squash game right after. And he's got like, he's full of testosterone, you know, shaved head, hairy arms and legs, and then, you know, squash goggles on. Doesn't look <laughs> at all, like didn't get the medieval message at all. He's just super <laughs> jacked up and aggro. And he's got like twin battle axes. And he just comes out like full, full, full rage. And he'll like, you know, hack into a, a, a young unsuspecting seven-year-old archer you know and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just so, got it that sounds yeah, yeah. fun man <laughs> oh, it's, it's great it's great man so you know you guys with your beers there and you just sit there and you know watch uh maybe jump in on the action if you're feeling it but, that's uh, all i did i we grabbed a bottle of wine and i sat and just watched them larp for probably like an <laughs> hour and a half it was exciting to watch and you could drink at the parks there god yeah. well you've seen the best of montreal it's clear so thanks for spreading the word <laughs> the, the, tour, the tourists are going to come flocking back to the city now <laughs> when this is all done man it's gonna be larp central yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll do the commentary for it. I would love to do commentary for LARPing. That sounds like a great new job for us. Honestly, like if you did that, I think you you might have hit on a on a magic formula. 
We talk a lot about like intense commentary on this show because like, I don't know if you ever seen like bowling or darts commentary, like two pretty slow sports, but the commentary is so over the top. It's amazing. Uh, LARPing could be our, we'll start a YouTube channel. And you know what? TSN right now, they're lacking on things to air. So that could be like TSN five. (laughs) So at this point, TSN three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Grab grab it while you can before somebody else snatches this from underneath you, man. Like get into it. I got one more question for you before we got to let you go here. And this came in from a friend. I told, uh, I've been listening to your music for a long time. And I guess I should probably say that off the top, I, I am a fan of yours. Thank uh, you. <laughs> just throw it in now. <laughs> but uh, I told a buddy of mine that we grew up listening to you, that I was getting to chat with you today. And he was like, can you ask him if he ever wears sneakers or if he only wears boots? Because he seems like a boots guy. <laughs> no. So I need to know, sneakers or always boots? I'm a sneakers guy. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm a sneakers guy. I figured with your fashion, you were a boot guy. You seem sophisticated. I, no, I will wear a boot. I will wear a boot around uh, for sure. But on stage, I always wear sneakers because I can't, I can't wear boots on stage. Hmm. Uh, they get caught on the pedals and I trip over my feet and they just feel clunky and you know, I want to I feel sort of light and maneuverable. The other guys in the band wear boots Hmm. um, on stage. Around town, it depends, you know, what I'm doing, but I'd say I'm a 50-50 on the boots and the sneakers right now. So it's kind of hard. I kind of feel a little bit bit more self-conscious these days about the fact that so much of what I do is walking kids to school and, and gardening and, and like, you know, all these things that we meant to walk in the dog to throw the leather. Once in a while, I'll do it just, just to prove a point and put the leather jacket on and the boots on to do one of these like sort of daily menial tasks kind of thing. To be the cool dad at drop off. Just to be, but you can't pull that off every day because then (laughs) that's a a huge responsibility, you know, as a huge weight to carry. So (laughs) more often than not, you just sort of default to sneakers and, and whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel, I don't want to say it. I don't want to go public with it, but I feel like the boots days are slipping slipping behind you know it's a bold bold statement uh, boots I know. are out it's, according to sam roberts so much is changing guys you guys have unearthed all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> you caught you've caught me on a vulnerable sunday morning you know like you should have we should have talked on friday night when i was raring to go man i was like <laughs> i've got this like pensive sunday morning thing going on so i got, I got one more question for you sam what's some advice that you should have taken but you never did oh that's a good question yeah, that's where was uh, that when we had a job? I know. <laughs> 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 oh man, I think one of the things that that uh, really defined, and I think you guys having worked in music can relate to this. But when we were getting started in the early two thousands, um, the idea of selling out was a huge. Uh, it, it was like a, it was like this, uh, you'd been branded with something. And I felt like for a long time, we all lived in abject fear of that idea of being a sellout in music. And, and what that ended up doing for a number of years, I'd say all through the 1990s, especially, it was just, uh, you, you, you know, everything had to be this like super tight line. You couldn't move out of your lane kind of thing. And I feel like that really set us back 
not just us, but a lot of bands um, at a time where we should have just been like blowing the doors open and, and trying different things. And instead we just sort of, know, you know, if you did one thing and you were known for that, then God forbid you should, you should, you know, you were a sellout and tried to do this or tried to do that or, you know, and, and I feel like that that's completely counter to how I see uh, creativity in a healthy way these days. And, and I think we spend a number of years kind of trying to break out of that. Uh, the fact that we felt like we had to just sort of adhere to this, this one definition of who we were. And it's, yeah, it took, it took albums and years and tours to kind of help to uh, get rid of some of the damage. I think that, that, that does. Now, was that because like, was that a you thing or was that like a, like a music label? I think that, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the label. I think it was a cultural culture wide thing in terms of music back then, you know? Um, it was, uh, it, it was, it's, everybody just walked in, in fear of being branded a sellout and you could you get sellout for anything. You'd be a sellout for having your song on a TV commercial. You know, I mean, we actually said to think of that now, you know, Oh, this car company wants to put your, song and we're like we've said yes before the sentence is even over at this point yeah. you know but back then i was like oh no i can't do that can't do this right. can't do that you end up turning down a lot of opportunities that could you know that could have i don't know reshaped things so to speak but more more than that it's just sort of allowing yourself be, to be defined by the fear of being called out for something, you know? And I, I, I think that we kind of grew up in that culture music wise and, and I think finally feeling like we've fought back enough to have shaped our own version or definition of who we are, you know? It's crazy how much fear influences like every <laughs> aspect of your life. You know, like I feel like the the bulk of life is just conquering fears and you need fear. Like being scared is a good thing. You know, it's a defense mechanism for, uh, for a reason. Um, but something as simple as that, like it could have drastically, it was a fear that you couldn't overcome until mm-hmm. later in your career. And if you would have overcome it earlier, you could have been in nine Nissan commercials. Exactly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the dream, just the dream. You're so, you're so right though. You know, I think you're, you're, and it's weird that all this fear, it's not fear of a, a leopard coming out of the, you know, like legitimate fear of being hauled up a tree and eaten by a wild animal. You know, right. this is, uh, it's all driven by, our, our interaction, our relationship with our fellow human beings, you know, and, and uh, so much of it exists not as a sort of physical reality. It exists, you know, in your own mind and how much time we spend preoccupied with those things and how much energy we spend trying to overcome that. And, you know, that's something that as you get older, thankfully, I feel like it eases off. But man, when you're getting started, you're just so worried about what everybody thinks of you uh, that I think if there's one thing that you can kind of go back and relive, it's just, man, I wish I could live with all those years and just without that preoccupation. And uh, obviously you can't, but you can sort of learn from it going forward and say, you know, all right, I'm going to be me from now on. I feel like Gen Z, who gets made, the TikTok generation gets made fun of a lot, but I feel like they're breaking down a lot of this stuff. Like I just mm-hmm. watch, like specifically like the sellout thing. Like you look at what music is becoming in some of these new artists and you're like, what? 
there's no mm-hmm. genre here. Like they, they'll blur every line. They don't care like at all. And I, I think a lot of it is just growing up, like constantly putting themselves out there, which yeah. obviously has some negative consequences, but also in that sense of like being who they are, I don't know. They seem pretty sure of themselves from younger ages now. And I wonder if it's just constantly putting yourself out there. Yeah, I think so. And I think that you guys, I, you know, us all coming from, I'll lump you in with, with me and uh, with it coming from the same sort of generation in the same place. I don't know how much you guys wrestle with that, but I certainly wrestle with it a lot. It, I don't feel like it comes naturally. I mean, getting up on stage and performing is one thing. And that's, you know, I feel at home doing that. And I feel very much myself doing that. I feel it. And I know I, that's vital to putting on a good show uh, is that you are yourself up on the stage. But when it comes to all these other things, you know, I mean, social media is the blanket term, uh, but within that, the requirements to put yourself out there. And, and I think, again, you've hit the nail on the head when you say the ease with which young people do it. It's, it's an unconscious thing. Yeah. Whereas for me, it's very conscious. And the fact that I'm conscious of it makes it inauthentic and makes it, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's less, it's less valid that way. And I don't know if I'm ever going to feel at ease with that. I don't know if that's ever going to be something that I can do, you know, and, and say, yeah, this is really me coming through here. Um, so I, I kind of envy that in young people. I, I envy that and I, and I, I worry about it too. Uh, because like, like anything, you know, I've got young kids and once you've opened that door, that world has an insatiable appetite. It always craves the, something else. It create, and, you know, I guess I'm in a way fortunate or unfortunate enough to just be, say, I've got nothing else to say. Sorry. I'm going to check out for six weeks. I'll come back to you if, if I have a brainwave at some point, but I think there's this enormous amount of pressure to feed that beast uh for young people so uh when it's good it's good and when it's not then i think it's a source of a lot of uh, stress and anxiety and uh yeah it's yeah it's it's tough to it's tough to it's tough to watch for sure and it's tough to keep at bay once it started it just uh it made me think of you got you and your family put out the video uh at like the beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. covering we're all in this together uh that had to be a moment like, and maybe if this is too personal, feel free to pass. But like, how did your kids handle that? Like I couldn't imagine <laughs> getting that much views yeah. and like being on the news and mm-hmm. we were playing it on our station. I mean, it was across the country. Everyone was watching this video and listening. That that must've been mind boggling for your children to be a part of. Like you're kind of used to it, but for them, like, what is that experience? Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was definitely a lot of life life lessons packed into one one yeah. sort of moment, and I've kind of gone out of my way since my kids were born to not ever have them in photos and you know whatever limelight you know I don't want to over exaggerate the kind of limelight that I live in because I don't think it's certainly not that but there, you know it's there uh, it exists in some way in our lives uh, and always tried hard to keep it relegated to a uh, a safe distance. And this was the first time where I sort of consciously said, um, all right, let's all do something and we're going to put it out there and we're going to, you know, use whatever avenues are at our disposal to sort of, you know, bring this to, to, to light and to public attention. Uh, 
And of course, for 15 minutes, it was a thing. And then afterwards, the real lesson was like, and now it's gone. And now it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what do you do? (laughs) How do you deal with it? So all all the intense scrutiny that, again, it lasted a very relatively uh, short period of time. And of course, was vastly overshadowed by all the other massive monumental events going on in the world. And I think they probably liked the attention a bit at school and that. But as with all things, the world moves on and it's, what have you done for me lately? And well, we, we just don't have a follow-up. So <laughs> <now it's, laughs> yeah, soccer practice. Here we go. <laughs> that's it. Back of the thing, you know, and nobody's talking about it anymore. So that's probably the more poignant life lesson that's come out of all of this. Is, right. Uh, and just for anyone listening or watching that doesn't know what we're talking about, you and the family got together and just put out a cover mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic, which you can yeah. watch. It's fantastic. Uh, you're the, probably the least talented in the family. I am. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's official. And don't worry. They didn't never hesitate to let me know. Yeah. Dad, come on. Keep beat. Keep beat. <laughs> exactly. Just no, go to your tomatoes. Too- we don't need you here. <laughs> There's squirrels in the garden again. <laughs> no, what, what people will never know is that that was take 287, you know, uh, and that my face after take 230 was really, really red, from, <laughs> you know, trying to keep the band together. And then uh, we had to wait. So my face became less red. So, we, yeah, we got into the high 280s, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Well, we got to let you go here. Thank you so much for Guys, uh, giving you. us your time. And uh, it's nice to see you both. And uh, good luck with this, uh, the new chapter here. Thank you very yeah. much. Hopefully we can catch up over a LARP soon. Man, anytime. Like, I'm, <laughs> if you if you want to do, but the thing is, I think if we're going to do it, it has to be serious. Like, we can't go yeah. there. And everybody's made fun of it before, but I think if you if you really put yourself, you know, in the mind of a LARP fighter and like try to explore the subtleties and you know uh, the fear, the anticipation of battle, and all that, and uh, you know, I think I think there's an audience for that. So. Well, well uh-huh. that'll be our, as soon as we're allowed to travel, <laughs> yeah. we're flying there to film okay, this. Okay, guys. So. And I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to date. sit down and have a beer with you once again and not invite Tyler, so. I know, Tyler, you know, next time, Tyler, I'll give you a call on the side and we'll make sure that you're, uh, we'll, we'll leak the, uh, the location, you know? <laughs> cool, yeah, yeah, I'll just already be in there. So, <laughs> hey, guys, oh, how did you get here? Wow, that's so weird. <laughs> Tyler's here. Wow. Anyway, well, All you right, man. Well, thank you so much. All right, say hey to everyone on the West Coast. We'll I will. Everyone, I mean, literally everyone, and we'll, so we'll talk individually. Mass, yes, masked up. I'm vaccinated we'll go door to door. now, so I can go and do that. Yeah. So same here. Yeah. yeah, right here, brother. Yeah, yeah. God, to be old. Uh, I know. It was, it was like the <laughs> Still only waiting. Good thing. It was the best best thing that's happened to me <laughs> post forty five. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Be good. All, All right, right, you man. too, my friend. See soon. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs> There we have it. The one and only Sam Roberts. We got what real a gem. deep at the end. Yeah. There. It's nice to have a real conversation. I feel like I forgot what those are like. Just spending all this time with Lynch. It's always nonsense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> big thank you to Jim Bob John uh, for the original music. A big thank you to Jessica Wong for all the graphics. Of course, a big thank you to Comedy Here Often Podcast Network. Check out some of their other shows and 604 Studios and producer Alexi. Uh, for being here and doing all the tech stuff as always because we I may be younger than Lynch, but I am dumb at yep. the internet. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And as always, if you could like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, if you got a Sam Roberts fan in your life, send them the episode uh, so they can hear uh, his wonderful wisdom. 
And uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, Don't forget out. to uh, email us too. Oh yeah, tylerlynch at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, Chad Kroger. Yeah, uh, feel like it might happen. Hopefully. Yeah, we'll explain that in the next episode. There's Chad Kroger, we'll see you soon. Bye.